All right, what is that you hear? Is that the blare of a siren? You're goddamn right it is, because we're back with another tremendous episode of the Insatiable Content Podcast, seemingly the only podcast, or basically any other form of content, where you can hear a white man continually told how wrong he is over and over. And thank God for that, because sweet Jesus, we are wrong about a lot of things including apparently what movies to watch. Because after hearing Chris Ryan on the Ringer's Watch podcast extol the virtues of the Michael Bay action thriller Ambulance, I decided I had to see it. I didn't get to it during its brief run in theaters, and it was brief. So when I saw it was available to stream, well, I immediately knew my Friday night plans. Well, all I can say is that as soon as it tur- I turned it on, the iconic Arrested Development line, I made a terrible mistake, resounded in my head for the next two plus hours. But unfortunately, I didn't make that mistake alone. So to discuss what has to be one of the most astoundingly bad movies I've seen in a long, long time, I have none other than a woman who just seems to continually make bad life choices, including but not exclusive to watching Ambulance with me, Kate, my very special lady friend, Simon. Welcome, Kate. Well, thanks for having me. Absolutely. So, Kate, I think it's only fair to just rehash some of the questionable decisions you've made to get to the point where you watched Ambulance with me last Friday. First off and most glaringly is the decision to date me, which is really the source of all the other problems that stem from that. Then you let me choose the movie based on nothing other than my unwavering love of Jake Gyllenhaal, whose name I'm never sure I can actually pronounce correctly. And then you decided to actually watch it with me. So that is a tremendous amount of bad decisions. I really want you to explain yourself. Well, you know, choices were made. (laughs) Um, (laughs) I don't know. It's just you seemed really excited about the movie and somehow talked me into sitting through it. Yeah, I and, was very um, excited. Yeah, and and I mean, here we are. Did not realize this would be the end game here, <laughs> but, but here we are. Here we are. <laughs> um, okay, now, before we begin, thanks to Colin Reingold, our last guest, we have a new segment on this show, Favorite or Garbage, where we talk about some of my more questionable takes, and I get feedback from whoever the guest is about them. So, Kate, I know you've had a lot of feedback from me lately about my approach to cereal consumption, so I think it's only appropriate you ring in this new segment by outlining your opinions on why my beliefs about cereal are, in your words, trash. So I think first you have to explain what your approach to cereal consumption is, because that's really the key here. I think that's a a fair request. Thank you. Um, I would say my cereal consumption is... um, Revelatory. Um, That's one word. Okay. Yeah. Um, I think it's pretty much what everyone will be doing in years to come, but I'm just so, I'm so far ahead. People don't realize so it. So we've had cereal for a while. <laughs> <laughs> you think that now you're the one who's innovating? I, I absolutely. Okay. Yes. Okay. So basically I think why stick to one cereal when you could have four, five, sometimes seven, all in one bowl together, commingling very happy all together flavors enhancing flavors and then you throw in some nuts and some dried fruit and you you have yourself a party in a bowl we're talking like 12 things in a bowl it there are a lot of things in a bowl but the, the, i i do take i did take your feedback that using cornflakes as the base was you just it, it wasn't structurally sound it wasn't structurally sound there was a lot of soggy flakes at the end of the day but that being said now that we've improved that we have peanut butter puffins on the bottom then some cornflakes, and then a variety of other cereals. I don't see what the problem is. I don't understand this only one cereal approach to life. Sure. So I, um, I'll i be clear and say that I think you are a monster. <laughs> <laughs> 
I just, you know, if it was designed to be mixed and matched in that way, I think that there would, you know, I don't think I'd be able to pick up a box of cereal on the shelf and have just one thing be in it. And I realize now I'm backing myself into a corner because I did just realize yesterday that my favorite cereal is actually comprised of two cereals. And what cereal would that be? Raisin Bran Crunch. (laughs) (laughs) And what provides the crunch? Granola. Granola, which is what? A <laughs> so all I'm saying is it's not that different than me putting granola on Sure, but I'd like to face. have it on record that I will not eat that anymore. <laughs> <laughs> that was my last box. I am I'm making my way through it and I'll never purchase it again. Okay. Well, I'm glad that we have you on record as to why I sh- am a monster for just enjoying a late night snack at all every single day. Um, but fortunately, we have a lot more to discuss. And namely, that is this tremendously, tremendously bad movie. So now that we've firmly established how wrong I am about cereal, correct? Let's let's focus on this epic cinematic masterpiece because, I mean, the premise of the movie seemed to be, and this was a pretty big movie. Michael Bay, Jake Gyllenhaal. There are names, so it's not like this is just randomly picking on a movie that's bad that just came out. This no, is- and it was not an inexpensive movie either. <laughs> well, a lot of people made a lot of decisions to get there. Uh, I would agree. Yeah. It, it, there was a budget behind this movie, <laughs> but it basically felt to me like it was, hey, we should remake Speed, but what if we did it in an ambulance instead of a bus? Groundbreaking. I think that was truly the entire premise. Oh, sure. And I'm not sure a whole lot more thought went into it. I so, think it's clear that no more thought went into it. So I feel like this podcast is going to closely mirror an episode of How Did This Get Made? But I just want you to give me your immediate reaction because I heard it when we were watching the movie when I kept laughing and being like, I can't believe how amazingly bad this is. And you just turned to me at the end and said, I don't like this. <laughs> so I think for me, the turning point was um, when you paused the movie to go grab some food, and I realized that we were only halfway through. That is true. That we were an hour and six minutes into what? A two hour and 18 minute movie? I believe that's And right. it was yeah. shocking. <laughs> I I just hadn't, I didn't think that there could be any more content pulled out of that. And it's, I think it's fair to point out that one of your favorite movies is Mad Max Fury Road. So you're not against the action thriller genre. Correct. So. And nor am I. I appreciate the Fast and the Furious movies. I appreciate John Wick. Like, I don't need plot. No. But this was astonishingly nonsensical. And I think that's because it tried to insert plot and some things that just really didn't work. And the, the characters were all over the place. I think it's very generous to call them characters. I agree. The only character that really resonated with me was the dog. Right. <laughs> Who also seemed to play a major role and then just suddenly disappeared. Yes. But when he showed up, I think both of us started yelling at the screen, the dog cannot die. No. And at that point, many, many people had been killed, but the yes. dog was the only creature in the movie that I actually cared about. Absolutely. I like, I want, where's the dog's movie? I want to know what happened after <laughs> um, this. Didn't Channing Tatum just make a movie called Dog? I'm pretty sure that's that dog's movie. Great. Well, so maybe we should have watched that. Instead. We'll see. <laughs> okay. Okay. So let's just go over. I think there's the best way to understand this movie is to just go over some of the things that actually happened in this movie. Mm-hmm. So just jump in here with me. First, we start with an opening shot very similar to Independence Day, where Will Sharp, an army veteran who is black, is the adopted brother of Jake Gyllenhaal, who is white. We know these things, and there are a lot of attempts at humor about how they can actually be brothers. So we keep hearing, 
oh, didn't expect you guys to be brothers. Things like that. It's it like one time would have been enough. I think there were three or four. And what was interesting is I think I might be wrong um, because I think 90% of this movie escaped my brain as soon as it was over. But we we open with like some Vaseline lens shots of like a little black boy and a little white boy playing. We're given no context for None. who they are. None. That would have been a great time to kind of explain that relationship vis- visually. But then like five minutes later... Someone just lays it all out for us. Right. Well, spoiler alert, they're brothers. Right. Very unsubtly lays it all out for us. And it almost felt like a gotcha. Like, you didn't think these two could be brothers. No. Just kidding. You're the racist one. It felt a little like that. I mean, Michael Bay is not known for his progressive politics. No. So that's the other thing about this movie that I thought was so funny is I felt like in many cases he was attempting to try to say something, but had no idea what he was trying to say. It was pretty clear what he was trying to say. Okay, what was he trying to say? So, first of all, I think the moral of the movie is two-part. Don't lie to your wife. That is that is very Thank clear. You. Except she believes your lies and doesn't know you're lying, then it's okay. I, well, I got TBD. you there. <laughs> got you there. <laughs> the second part of the moral is don't hit on women in the workplace. I do agree. That is the moral. She's in customer service. It is her job to be nice to you. She's uninterested. Well, we need to get to that point. But basically, so back to the point, <laughs> Jake, Jake plays Danny, who as far as I can tell is the worst but most successful bank robber ever. Yeah. So Danny then assembles what has to be the worst crew ever for a bank robbery. He adds his brother to this at the last minute. They're like... He seems to be doing this because in the establishing opening scene, we learn the, uh, Danny seems to be doing this, that he will, uh, I mean, uh, Will Sharp is doing this because he, his, the army is not going to pay for his wife's something operation. Sure. We're not they're, clear They're what never it is. really clear on no. it. No. But, and I mean, if this really is a movie about like an indictment of VA and federal health care, like I'm that's for a conversation it. I'd like to have. Absolutely. But we, that's not what we explore. No. At all. No. It's just, <laughs> he, the government, I think, is bad. And then also, he lies to his wife and says, the insurance is good. It's it's all fine. It's all mm-hmm. fine. But then he goes out, and she's like, don't go see your brother Danny. He's going to go see his brother Danny because yeah. he needs a job. Because he also can't get a job, right? Um, so, Danny, lovely Jake Gyllenhaal, does not appear to have a plan, per se, as, as, as to how to rob this bank. Yet, we're supposed to believe he's the greatest bank robber ever. Yeah. 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 Do you think he ever stole a scarf? Perhaps a red scarf? I mean, I think the evidence is clear on that. (laughs) Okay. (laughs) Okay. So then he hires a guy who doesn't know L.A. and who isn't from L.A. to be the getaway driver. This seems... See, all of this, I don't remember. Well. It was a very long movie. (laughs) (laughs) It was a very long movie. Then they go to actually rob the bank. We don't actually see them going in, so we don't actually know how he can be this successful at it. Yeah. We're suddenly following two cops who go in, and they're going back to this bank, which inexplicably is closed at 5 p.m. There was a lot of us figuring out the logistics of the robbery exactly. in, real time, in real time, as we were supposed to already understand it. A- absolutely. Yeah. Well, that's the thing. It's it's like watching a Lars Van Trier movie. It's just there's so much left to the audience imagination sure. that, you know, they're you making really, you work for he's it. An, he's an auteur. Mm-hmm. Now, the whole reason the cop is going back into the bank is why? 
what you just said. Yeah, to, to hit on a bank to teller. To hit on a bank teller and ask her out. Yeah. And that is what foils the robbery and sets off everything else that then occurs, which includes shooting said cop mm-hmm. accidentally. Yeah. And Will, Will shoots the cop. And that is, that is how we end up um, progressing forward in this in this ridiculous movie. Yes. But not before, and I think this was my favorite part because I couldn't stop mimicking it while we were watching it. <laughs> Jake, Jake Gyllenhaal's character yells inexplicably, inexplicably at all oh, moments in this movie. from zero to 100 at all times in every conversation. It's like watching Austin Powers coming out of his biofreeze <laughs> where he's like, I cannot control the level of my voice. It'll just be like, he'll just be like, Will, you got to do this for me right fucking now. No, no reason no. whatsoever. And it seems counterproductive if what you're trying to do is convince a bunch of people to commit a crime with you. Maybe you don't want to start out by yelling at them. You know, work your way there. I mean, I feel like that is the preferred management style. Would that style. be motivating for you as a potential bank robber? As someone who has <laughs> been on the receiving end of yells sure. many, many times in my life. No, it doesn't really no. do it for me. But I'm also not an expert bank robber. Great. Like Dan. That's good for me to find out now. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> know this, know this up front. <laughs> so then I think what has to be my favorite part of this movie occurs where, of course, they have a hippie member of the crew. And we know this because why? He has long hair. And what and does Birkenstocks. he wear? And Birkenstocks. God damn yeah. him. He's probably like a flaming liberal and we we can't have that. So what happens to him? Okay. Oh, he gets run over. Well, no. His le- he trips. He trips. The idea is he trips in his sandals. His legs are flattened by a truck. And then at some point later, someone pulls him out from under the vehicle and just like leaves him on the sidewalk. Am I remembering that correctly? Damn close. But the thing for me is we see his flattened legs. Oh, yes, yes, yes. And they are... They're flattened. (laughs) And we're just supposed to be like, oh, oh, okay. That, yeah. yeah." But Mm -hmm. he's also still alive at the point. I feel like if his legs were that flattened, the amount of internal bleeding would have killed him. Yeah. I mean, and I don't know how long he was under there. The whole thing was very unclear to me. It could have been five minutes. It could have been hours. Right. So, yeah, but he was wearing sandals. Yes. Which I noticed you do too. So I feel like... There was a subtle suggestion there, if we're talking about the themes of the movie, that if you wear sandals, you deserve to get flattened by a truck. And I may agree with that. <laughs> All right. All right. But then it only gets better because to escape the cops, Danny and Will hijack an ambulance. And if you're wondering, that's why the movie is called Ambulance. Because mm. mm-hmm. they're driving in an ambulance Thank at you. high speeds. Yeah. Thanks. Yeah. I wanted to make sure you picked up yep. on that. Yep. Um, and this becomes the vehicle. And of course, there's an EMT on the ambulance, Cam, who's played by Eliza Gonzalez, who just happens to be someone who had her career as a doctor derailed <laughs> because do we figure out like a backstory or their flashbacks? No. How are we told that her career was derailed? Oh, she got addicted to speed. Literally, that is the lie. Yeah. And it seems like pretty close to the end of med school. Oh, like, yeah. She was right there. Yeah. Yeah. Which I know happens to a lot of sure. people. Sure. Um, but then is somehow okay to be an EMT. Mm-hmm. Well, fortunately, we then have a remote call where she is performing surgery on the cop who was shot, who is also in the ambulance yes. with them. And she is able to do this by doing a Zoom video. Also, if I had that type of internet connectivity, like just in my house, oh, yeah. rather than a speeding vehicle, I would, be so, be. I would be so happy. Yep. But she's able to do this even though it's apparently the trickiest surgery yes. ever 
And wow. she does it all. She does do it all. With perfect lashes. She her does. Her lipstick has not smudged. No. And her hair looks amazing. Yeah, she doesn't even look yeah. frazzled. Now, yeah. she does miss the gaping wound that's also in his body. Mm, yes. That keeps leaking. Yes. The entire time. There was a lot of, where is this blood coming from? <laughs> Don't need to worry about it. And then it was literally like, oh, if we just remove his jacket, there's a huge bullet hole in yeah. his body. Yeah. Interesting how that works. Yeah. Yeah, it's... It's it's pretty astonishing, but the uh, the thing I loved is like the the line about speed is really as as much character development. And it was as any... totally a throwaway. Oh uh, yeah, absolutely. Mm-hmm. But she was like surly up front, and so therefore that means that she's like mysterious. Yes. Okay. That's okay. that's how women work. <laughs> how women <laughs> you got work. it. <laughs> They're just a mystery box inside a, inside an enigma. Um, all right. So then she saves him while the the. Car, or the ambulance is going 100 miles per hour. And then we then proceed to have, as you pointed out, a very long, very long chase scene that is pretty much the entire movie. And some of it is entertaining. Mm. <laughs> but there is one point where the EMT, the woman we were just talking about, tries to escape by spraying Danny and Will with a fire extinguisher. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. That, that blinds them temporarily because yes. also they're fighting and shooting each other and punching each other while this ambulance is going on. That's See, what she's saying. Again, fighting. I forgot about all of that. that. This is the thing. And you weren't even. And that's really the core of the movie is the brothers. The brotherhood, one yeah. might say. Yeah. yeah. Um, and then, literally, in the next scene, they are no longer covered in white stuff. Yeah. So apparently, you can get sprayed with a fire extinguisher. It can burn your eyes. Yeah. But then move on. I mean, from it. is cashmere. Fire repellent, repellent? I, I don't know. I, I have to assume it, it is because be. Jake Gyllenhaal yelled at me that it was cashmere <laughs> that he was wearing. So, um, I think anyone listening to this will pick up on the great deal of subtlety in mm, this movie yes, in yes. every single scene. Mm-hmm. So there we go. But then Danny's plan is to call the the way he plans to escape this. Hundreds of cars chasing him. They bring in the FBI is to call his friends in the Mexican cartel because, of course, he has friends in the Mexican cartel. We learn, great backstory, his dad did this. And so his dad was also erratic with his emotions and yelled a lot and also was a bank robber. And you're looking at me like you don't remember any of this at all. Yeah, honestly, <laughs> honestly, I don't. <laughs> this movie has had a profound impact on my life and I feel like I'm just I'm alone. I'm not taking it seriously. <laughs> I'm so sorry. So... My favorite thing in this movie, and I have referenced it many times since, is so he calls in his Mexican cartel friends, and they're going to do the old switcheroo where they all meet under a bridge with many different ambulances mm, uh-huh. to disguise which one it is, and then they'll pull out, which has been in the Fast and the Furious movie, yeah. so many other... It makes sense. It does make sense. Except what does he do once that ambulance is well, under... Well, first, what you really need to do to make that plan work is spray paint your ambulance neon. What? Neon green. Green. And he was mad because it wasn't neon blue because the person he has to bring the spray paint brought the wrong color. Would that have worked better? I, I, the only thing I could think was that maybe he thought it would blend in with the sky. I just... 
suddenly there's a neon green ambulance neon that green had ambulance. never been seen before. You don't think anyone's going to be like, hmm, that's weird. It's literally like, hey, this, this is, is the, us. This is the one. Also, they could have just switched cars. He has all these ambulances pulling out. Why doesn't he just get into like a nice Ford Taurus and, and drive away? This a dying man. The dying cop. For people to get and him. And the EMT. It seems like then he could go away with his $32 million. And then the movie would have been an hour and 30 minutes. Which is exactly where I like it. would have been a tight 90. It really would have been. I I cannot get over how baffling of a decision this was. And, like, it made me laugh so hard when we were watching it. And that was just not intentional. No. It was decidedly not intentional. I'm sure it was, like, one of those things where it's like, this is going to be as smart as Ocean's Eleven. And the audience will be like, oh, wow, we had a fast one pulled over on us. No. No. I mean, it doesn't even make sense. It just doesn't make sense. No, it does not make sense. There's nothing about it. But then, you know, not to give too much away, they don't they don't really get away with it because they're in a fucking ambulance mm. and it's been painted green. It's been painted green and they're being followed. Um, so then they end up, of course, because I mean, we just have to have the beautiful symmetry. They end up at a hospital at the well, very end. Well, before that, there's uh, a chase scene in the LA River. There's because that. if you're going to film in LA, I guess you got to do something there. Which is not a river. No, 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 no. It's it's concrete. It's a canal. Right, right. But um, that part of the movie, for some reason, I do remember. And I think it's because there's a scene from Greece that also took place there. Mm. So that jogged my memory. I was just wondering if that w- was when you were questioning all your life decisions and like, I really need to leave right now. I mean, that may have happened. Okay. So maybe that's why yeah. they imprinted yeah, yeah, such yeah, yeah. a thing. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. But so after they go through the LA River, they then... And are being chased by a helicopter. And so many people died, I think. So many, it's like, like, we haven't discussed that. It's and like, like it's a like lot a of bad, cops. Yes. Which, and it's just all fine. Uh, <laughs> a lot of people died. A lot of people. It's like, it reminded me of Bad Boys and just that it was like, apparently humans don't matter and yeah. we're just going to be okay with tons of people yeah. dying. It's just a day in LA. But not the Mastiff. Not, which God, was really who I God cared damn, about. Not the yeah. dog. Yeah, no, yeah, yeah. No. It, it, thankfully... <laughs> Mastiff mm-hmm. was saved. Mm-hmm. Um, though the owner dies, correct? Yeah. 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 The guy from Deadwood. Yeah, the, uh-huh. The guy from Deadwood, whose yeah. name I don't know, but played two like roles in Deadwood. He was the chief of police or something. Yeah, but... He was, had a real, like, I don't play by the rules no. kind of vibe. And we knew that because he was in a t-shirt and yeah. and ball cap. Yeah. Um, and I chose that word carefully, ball cap, because <laughs> clearly they were trying to portray him as being hip. Um, it, was, it was just so many great choices in yeah. this movie. Yeah. Um... So then they get to the hospital. The cop is pulled out. I mean, they're in the parking lot of the hospital for a good long while. A long while. We're not in the hospital yet. And then Will decides to shoot his brother, Danny, and all of this. But then they're both laying on the ground dying. Cuffed. Cuffed. And they're just being watched by the cops. Yeah. No one does anything. Oh, no. They do do something. And it is, they go and get Will's wife and infant son. Right. Drive her to the crime scene. Yes. And let her take a look at everything. Right. And then they get mad at her for, like, screaming. She's like, let me go see my husband. Right. Yes. And they're like, no, no. No, no. That would be too much. Don't don't (laughs) you dare come near. We brought you here. This is all you're getting. Also, she does not seem perturbed that he has led this huge car chase and robbed a bank at all. She's just like, okay, well, this happened. Right. I feel like 
they have some communication issues in their marriage. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. Or maybe not. Maybe maybe I've just never met anyone that accepting of my behavior. Yeah. <laughs> no matter what I do, that is truly unconditional love. Maybe that's what I'm missing. Maybe that's the theme of the movie. I hope not. <laughs> <laughs> so finally they pull him in and they save his life at the hospital and the cop who he shot who was in the backseat of this ambulance the entire time, nearly dying, then doesn't finger him as the person who shot him earlier. Right. And I think we're led to believe, as the movie ends with it, uh, there's so many drone shots of LA in this mm. movie. A lot so of lens many, fair, a lot of drone shots, yeah. Many of which were moving and made me very nauseous because it felt like you were on a roller coaster. Mm-hmm. But I'm pretty sure we believe that, like, Will's going to get away with it. It's going to be okay that he has destroyed all this property, yeah. killed all these people, yeah. like, inadvertently or as a part of his actions. Right. But because he is a good guy at heart, mm-hmm. we're going to let him get away with it. That, is that a correct reading? Of- I mean, I think so. I do think, because there's that final scene, and we didn't talk about this in the beginning, when our... Uh, EMTs, like when we're first introduced to them, they are saving a young girl in a car who's been impaled by a fence. Yes. And um, I cannot believe we forgot. To yeah, and that. so that is our introduction to Cam. And Cam, we, yes. Cam. And we we see her being like the in, yeah yeah the, yeah. The they don't hold anything back. No. And um, then that scene ends, and you're like, well, we're never going to see that girl again. And who do we see at the end of this fucking movie? We see that her. little girl. Because everything comes circular. It's Except so for there well was some done. dialogue there that I don't even remember, but it wasn't a callback to the original, like no. that first scene, and it didn't make any sense. I also did not know it was, was that her at the time. growth for the it, Cam? I, I think like, I, I think we're supposed to believe that Cam now has feelings, that she's locked her feelings away, probably because of her speed addiction. Sure. <laughs> Fucking junkie. Well, and that like weird ex-boyfriend doctor. Right. Not a fan of him. No, but he had a really nice apartment. Yeah, he did. Yeah. And he did talk her through a pretty serious surgery in which she clamped a spleen closed with her hair clip. Well, it wasn't him. He called his friends. Oh, that's true. He did phone a friend. Yeah. Yeah. Which is kind of lame. Now you kind of understand why she broke up with them. Yeah. yeah. Um, but yeah, apparently, I think the takeaways from this are there are no consequences for participating in a bank robber will, bank robbery willingly. Yeah. As long as you say I'm a like I'm sorry. It's mm. it's a very Catholic mm-hmm. version of the world, I would say. As long as you repent. Yeah. You don't really even have to atone. You just have to say I'm sorry, yeah. and then you're and then forgiven. And you go say a couple Hail Marys, and you're fine. Exactly. Yeah. So yep. maybe that's why this movie resonated with us so much is to it's two people who were raised Catholic. Um, this just has like a lot of meaning, I think. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. So what other themes are you taking away from what has to be one of the most astonishing movies I've ever seen in my life? Were there any themes? I mean, you're the one who introduced this or morals. Sure. I mean, I think I've been pretty clear. Don't <laughs> lie and don't hit on the bank teller. But he lies and he gets everything about his thing is he lies and it's okay. That's true. I mean... No, you're right. You're right. And then we haven't really talked about the sacrifice of the other brother and how that was supposed to mean something to me, but because I did not give a single shit about any character, it didn't. Also, is it a sacrifice or do you think he was just like, I can't deal with you yelling at me any fucking more guy. I'm going to have to shoot you. Yeah, it seems like a pretty selfish move. It does. It does. Honestly, that's really kind of fucked up. (laughs) But also, who wants to be yelled at all the time? I mean, I don't. I just think... As I leave, as we like end this discussion, I think one of the best parts of this movie is like the expression. They say the quiet parts loud, 
has never been more true about anything I've seen. And not only that, they don't only say them loud, they say them over and over and over again. There's a scene where they're trying to get away, the cartel's friends shockingly go back on their word Mm. and aren't helping them. Can never trust a cartel. You you cannot trust a cartel. And the two brothers look like they're about to, uh, you know, die and also lose their money. And then they're reminiscing about the times when they did things when they were young. And of course, we all know that they are not going to turn on each other and they're going to shoot the cartel. Well, not yet. Well, it took Jake Gyllenhaal saying (laughs) how many times? And that's why when you go left, I go right. Uh-huh. I think he said that five times, yeah. and then he and also yelled it. And by said, we mean yell. Yeah. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And then they eventually did it, just in case the audience didn't know that it was going to yes, happen. Yes, this was all set up. That sure. is, I think, sure. some of the best foreshadowing I've ever seen in my life. Mm. And I really appreciated being having my hand held in that, that camera way. work made me dizzy. <laughs> <laughs> so, anything else you want to say about this masterpiece? How many Oscars do you think it'll win? Well, I'm really curious to know what the Central Ohio Film Critics Association has to say about that it. That is true. <laughs> it's really my barometer. I, so, I mean, they we'll have great, to see. We, that is true. They had a great list last year. Yes. I just hope, you know, after they hear this... They do love Jake Gyllenhaal. They, they do. Out. Maybe we'll be invited to the ceremony. Mm. If do you one think occurs. it's a ceremony? I think it's just a list they print in the newspaper. I will take any excuse to get to Central Ohio. Oh God, yeah. So, um, yeah, I, great. I think everyone should watch this movie because there are very few things that you will ever see that will leave your leave you this like gobsmacked that something like this could have been created and that the people behind it took it this seriously mm. and and clearly think it's good. Yeah. 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 I feel like that's a tepid response and you would still like your two hours of your life back. I mean, I would just say maybe like have something else going on. Like you can play a game on your phone or something while you're watching this movie. maybe eat a delicious bowl of seven or eight cereals. I would not recommend that. Okay. And on that note, I think that's the perfect way to end. (laughs) So thank you for joining me, Kate. And this has been another episode of the Insatiable Content Podcast.